Up in the morning and out to school The teacher is teaching the golden rule American history and practical man You study him hard and hoping to pass Working your fingers right down to the bone it is 18 minutes before the hour here on the Drum Large Radio Show. We continue with Jane Ryan. She's a special ed advocate here in the Granite State alongside Anne-Marie Banfield, who, as we all know in this audience, is one of the state and nation's foremost general advocates for education, known nationwide for her work. Uh, this, this morning's segment brought to us by the Straight A Academy located in Bedford. Yeah, they're, they're in the heart of the bubble in Bedford. God rest Kathy Bennick, right? The Bedford bubble. God rest her. Anyway, innovation in education is their mantra. So whether or not your child needs help with standardized testing, tutoring in specific subjects, private tutelage, college consulting to help figure out where they can mature and blossom as young human beings. And oh, so much more. Check them out at straighta.com. That's straighta.com. So Jane, Judy called folding clothes was her um, vocational education. And where would she go to do that, where she'd be employable? I, I think that's a travesty. I think that... I don't that, know, ENR cleaners? I have no idea. <laughs> that, that girl's getting shortchanged. She should... Right. Well, see, to me, I mean, her, her, her IEP should include getting her from you know, a fourth grade reading level yes. to a fifth grade reading level yes. to a sixth grade reading level, not folding clothes. Right. Absolutely. What, what, and, and, you know, I can, I can see where it's daunting from parents because of the parent who's invited me in. You come into a table and you come into a room and seated around the table are all of these experts. It's the psychologist, the teacher, the guidance counselor, the principal, the special ed, this, the special ed, that it becomes, it becomes overwhelming and if you don't know the lay of the land, you just sit there and you nod and you nod and you nod because they're the experts and they're going to tell you what their evaluations are, what you do. And, you know, the parent that I'm working with has sort of seen, you know, seen this rodeo before and the purpose, I believe, well, she says the purpose is twofold. One, so I can learn the process and two, so I can keep her in check because she gets very emotional. <laughs> well, how can you not? These are your kids. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I'm sort of like an objective eye in a number of, of ways on this and it's it's crazy to me the way this process works. I mean, no disrespect to the people in the process because I think they're trying to follow the mandates of the law. I agree. Especially with me watching. Um, not that they wouldn't otherwise, but it's like, ah. That yeah. is an intimidation technique too because when you come in and you're one person and they bring eight people in and they all sit across the table from you, that is a very intimidating yes. Well, is, but do you think they do it to be intimidating or do you mm. think they do it because the law requires when these meetings take place that all of these people be present? They are not supposed to do that. They are that not. is actually illegal. Really? Because it is an inti- it's a known intimidation technique. Um, so what, how, how is the process supposed to work if, if, if you're not supposed to have everybody in the same room at the same time? Everybody's supposed to come in and sit down all around the table, yeah. not with people what happens is school board sits on or school school personnel sit on one side, parents sits on the other. So it's like facing a firing squad. So they're supposed to sit all around the table and they're not supposed to make it appear as though they're beating up on you because the parent often comes in with a certain idea of what they want in the IEP and they'll talk about what they want in the IEP and they'll be like, oh, we can't do that. All right. We have a no. school board member, Lisa Freeman from Manchester Ward 5, chair of the school district special committee on special ed on the phone. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, and good morning to Jane and Anne-Marie. 
And Jane, um, everything that you're saying just is so incredibly true. Um, from from the uh, the soft intimidation practices to the language not you know uh, not being you know really something that the average person can understand. Now, um, I have a son on the spectrum who's almost 23 now. But as an occupational therapist, I understood what a lot of that said. I understood the IEP process. I understood the laws. But your average parent who's, who comes in for the first time um, doesn't even know what IEP stands for. So, um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, really educating these parents and, and getting them on board with the process. Yeah, but who's supposed to do that because the people who quote-unquote, educate the parents or the people who are supposed to be developing the 504 plan or the IEP plan. There are always people working for the school district unless there's some kind of outside advocate, and usually the people who get the outside advocates have the money to probably pay for the special ed services themselves unless they're finding someone who's going to do it pro bono um, uh, you know, for them. And from what I've seen so far, you know, the only industry bigger than special ed is the special ed advocacy um <laughs> advocacy uh, industry, which, uh, you know, it's almost like a chicken in every pot. There's an advocate in every, you know, in, in every place almost. Am I wrong about that? I, if you can afford an advocate, all the more power to you. They're about 200 bucks an hour. A reduced rate mm-hmm. advocate is $80 an hour. It's very expensive and your lower income people are not going to be able to do that. Um, the balance to the, the, educators is that they have to give you a worksheet that is a safeguards and procedures worksheet which is mandated by the federal government so when you're in the meeting they kind of slip the worksheet to you you have to sign that you received it and it's not particularly readable um and it talks about due process which as a parent if you're going into an iep meeting you don't really want to jump the gun and start talking about due process right from the start that's only really meant to be if there's a cauterizing situation. Gotcha. So, Lisa, I, I, I well, Jane. Again, I want to thank I want to thank you for being there and speaking about this because it, you know, we are spending an exorbitant amount of money on special ed, and um, I, I do think there are a lot of holes in it. And, and I was the one who asked the question about vocational rehab. If you had had any experience with it, I know that the experience I had with vocational rehab and my son was was really lacking. So, um, you know, and, and I do understand why the kids on the spectrum do end up on SSI is because they're really not getting what they need um, before graduation in order to develop some soft skills into something they can, you know, market. So, again, I will thank you, Anne-Marie, thank you, and I will hang up and listen to you further. All right. Well, that's a, a great call by uh, Lisa Freeman in Ward 5. So we got about uh, five or six minutes left here in this uh, in, in this segment uh, or in the in the rest of the show. So what what sorts of things do you want to bring forward in the remaining time that we have? Uh, I also want to point out, um, you had mentioned something about special ed um, maybe not being the best scenario. I can tell you this. Many, many times um, new teachers are put into special education positions. I don't know that that's the best fit for them because a lot of them are coming out of college where they did peer-to-peer teaching. So sitting around and teaching your classmates is considerably easier than being in a classroom and managing students who have real issues. Um, I don't know that putting a new teacher without good supports is the best idea. Right. Well, you know, see, in this district, we we have so I think it's special education teachers 
Correct. And then we have regular education teachers who have kids who are being mainstreamed into their classes. I don't know that Manchester, and I, I can't actually speak to this with any specificity, you know, just says, oh, you're a new teacher. You're going to do special ed. I, I don't think it happens that way here. So I'm not exactly sure where you're where you're coming from. Well, I think a lot of times when teachers right now, in order to get certified, um, some people are doing a dual certification, which is the education, the standard education degree, degree excuse me, uh, with a special ed class, and that gives them dual certification so they can teach special education. But one special education class is really not sufficient, and special education is a broad spectrum. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... You got learning disabilities, intellectual disabilities, autism. Um, right now, there's no Behavioral. certification for yeah. autism. Behavior is another one. Um, and... <clears throat> New teachers don't have the ability to classroom manage effectively right off the bat. Um, and teachers who only have had one special education course, I think someone had said something about um, special education not being able to handle t- students who are gifted. And that's true because if they do take a few special education classes, it's usually in intellectual development and they're not able to handle someone with autism because they specialized in something completely different. So what's the answer here? I think they should take a look at the certifications for special education and change them. I don't think a blanket. I think, you know, when the original special education law was created in 1974, they had in mind kids with um, cerebral palsy, severe intellectual disabilities. The The law has not really changed significantly enough to to differentiate kids with learning disabilities who have something like dyslexia, but are very capable and they can be held back just by having a label. I see. I think one of the things that I've <clears throat> that I've kind of witnessed is it's almost like they're looking to find a reason why the kid can't learn and come up with an alternate plan for them to be in school, um, rather than focusing on the things the kid can do while building on it. So I wonder whether or not that's the process good, of identifying yeah. students—that's just the impression that's, that I've had from me too. from conversations yep. that I've had, but also from what I'm seeing in this process yes no disrespect to you know the people involved and that could my read on it could be wrong but it almost seems to me like they're not really looking uh or the emphasis doesn't seem to be on okay what can the kid do what can we what is there for us to build on and help maximize their their academic development in areas where they can and help make them uh, uh better performing in areas where they're challenged And I would agree with you. And we are the only country that approaches education from that negative standpoint. Every other country approaches it from what can, assuming the child can do rather than can't. But this, 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 this federal law is just, you know, if education is supposed to be personalized and the needs of every child are supposed to be met, it seems to me that there ought to be the ability for people in the, at at the local level in the building to determine how best to handle kids with various issues, shall we say. <clears throat> so that um, they're they're getting academic skills developed so that they can function without them being um, unnecessarily an imposition on everybody else who functions in a more normal manner. Well, you also have to take a look at the education system we have in this country, which has not changed significantly in around 100 years. It was originally oh, created between, between the bureaucracy and the unions. Is anybody surprised? It was originally created for people to have jobs in factories, which is why you have bells between classes, because that signified shift ends. And it really has not changed in any significant, meaningful way. So when you're talking about changing the system like Parker Varney did, they're trying to say, 
I mean, how, how many people do you know want a job in a factory today? No I, one. But you know what? I, I got to be honest with you. I reject this whole factory notion of, uh, of education because at the end of the day, whether it was quote unquote for a factory job or not, it still had to inculcate a basic level of skills. And you know what? As I, as I said at a curriculum and instruction committee meeting the other night, you know, I don't care if you're rich or you're poor, you're black or you're white. You, you know, a period goes in the same place. A comma goes in the same place. The, 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 the vowel makes the same sound, uh, you know, and it seems to me we've gotten away from teaching things in an effective way to teaching them in a new way that addresses a problem maybe for a small percentage of kids but creates a problem for a greater percentage of kids. And then we need to come up with a new way to fix the problem that we created mm -hmm. because we got away from what was tried and true. And rather than have something for the exceptions to the rule, we created exceptions to a different rule on a greater scale that we now have to go and fix. So I, I, listen, I, I didn't go on to a factory job and I went through, you know, the, the, the model that everybody's beating the crap out of right now. Well, Rich, I think, too, that, you know, there's always this discussion on marketability and jobs. And, See, and I don't I, think that's the point of an education. Right. And then I think we lose focus on literacy. You know, we, we yep. really have just lost our focus on literacy, making or uh, helping these children to become literate to the best of their ability. Right. And literacy comes in multiple forms. It right. comes in English. It comes yes. with being conversant in math. Literacy comes with being a knowledgeable citizen about your history, heritage, and the, yes. the institutions and how they function. See, we're not equipping kids to apply what they've learned wherever they want to go. Somehow it became the job the, the job of the school system to, to make sure that, you yes. know, IBM's got its next right. supply of workers. And and I, I'm I, don't, sorry, I don't agree with that shift. I've not agreed with it since, uh, you know, that this, this is... Uh, uh, Obama redesign in public education is more workforce training versus literacy. which is truly the German model. Yes, it is the German model, and so and so you know when I hear from these special ed parents, yes, of course you want these children to be able to function, and yes, it, it is nice that you know everybody wants their kids to be able to to become to become workforce right. uh, marketable to to some degree. But l if we lose that focus on literacy, then <laughs> what we have is we have a. Eleventh uh, grader reading at a fourth grade level and never moving beyond that. Exactly, and if you want to be marketable, you have to be yes. literate. Yes. If you're not literate, I don't care how well you fold the clothes. Absolutely. And frankly, I think some of this, you know, like Judy who called earlier yes. said, she said, uh, "I she can fold the clothes at home." Right. What, right. what am I doing that in school for? Yeah. I, you know, at some point, parents have to be part of the equation too. I don't. Exactly. I should not have to teach you how to balance your checkbook or fold your clothes or pick up your room or anything else. You also have to remember special education students have only been in the system for 30 years and the system was not designed for them. And I think a lot of school districts approach it. Oh, this kid has autism. This is what we're going right. to do. Check a box, check a box, check a box. Well, I agree. And the system, the system isn't quote unquote designed for them, but the law forces them into the system and tries to make pretend uh, in a variety of circumstances that they can be quote unquote, just like everybody else. When in many of those instances, from what I've seen, they really can't. And are we doing that child any good or the children around them any good by forcing them into a system that isn't able to really meet their needs instead of figuring out a way to really meet their needs? I mean, if I can take a summary of your of our conversation this morning, that would be it. Would I be wrong? Well, I think, too, some kids are getting medical services in schools, and that has never been introduced before. And school districts are able to... Oh, hell, we're paying for full-time nurses. 
Well, school districts are able to recoup some of the money through the Medicaid for Schools program. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Okay. And so they. But even still. They do do that. I mean, I, I also, you know, there are times too, there's, there's a certain number of kids with special needs who take up a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. And then there are others who have learning disabilities who have a lot of potential who get fewer resources. Mm-hmm. So. This is a you Washington, have to make sure they're covered yeah, as well. This is a Washington one-size-fits-all and a law that's so big and so complicated, very few actually understand it, so they have this blanket application. They drive budgets through the roof, and they meet the needs of nobody in doing it. <laughs> uh, that t- yeah. take. All right, folks, I appreciate the time. Uh, you're coming in. Very interesting discussion. Thanks so much for taking the time to do it this morning. We are out of time here on the Draw at Large radio show. Tomorrow... County Attorney Dennis Hogan will be in to address his controversial comments over the refugee who seems to escape the law to commit more crime. What exactly did he mean by trying to give him a path to be a better citizen? We'll find out. Mike Bistany joins us for Fitness Effects. Auto Care Plus with Auto, uh, will be in for Auto Care Corner. And Ward 2 Aldermanic candidate Bob O'Sullivan will be with us in the 8 o'clock hour. His opponent refused to come on and discuss the issues with him in a debate here on the Draw at Large radio show. So he gets more time. The other guy doesn't. That's the way it works here. For the entire team here at Draw at Large, I am your ever humble host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. Until tomorrow, be good, be well. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. We're proud to have in the audience. Thanks for being there. Please remember our sponsors. Give them the first opportunity to earn your business and let them know you heard about them on Draw at Large. It matters. Be good, everyone.